Lights are invading our no, land. Tonight, RCMP near Houston, B.C. launch a criminal investigation after two suspicious incidents near a pipeline protest site. Plus... I'd never ride without one ever again after this. What saved the life of a snowmobiler from Summerland caught in an avalanche near Apex Mountain Resort? And... The first Canadian to win one of the most prestigious tournaments on the PGA Tour is from right here in BC. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. More than a dozen demonstrators arrested for defying an injunction on Indigenous land in northern BC will appear in court tomorrow as tensions between opponents of a natural gas pipeline and the RCMP continue to rise. And more arrests are a near certainty with two separate criminal investigations now underway. Sarah McDonald begins our coverage. Do you have anything to say as you're being arrested? With 20 people and counting arrested, and the demarcation of an exclusion zone seemingly arbitrarily expanding on Indigenous land in northern BC. Oh, you guys are invading our no, land. Already heightened tensions are boiling over between those fiercely opposed to a natural gas pipeline and the RCMP enforcing an injunction granted to the energy giant behind the multi-billion dollar initiative. A second criminal investigation has now been launched into allegations infrastructure at the site of recent arrests was compromised. These were done deliberately. These were not accidental. We do believe that it was specifically done to cause harm to anybody who would travel over that. Support beams on this bridge apparently cut. The question is by who? This was the catalyst for the first criminal investigation launched last month. These tires allegedly found atop accelerants and those dozens of trees either already felt or poised to topple. Obstruction slowing work on a project supported by the provincial and federal governments and countless less vocal members of the 20 First Nations it runs through, like Bonnie George. A lot of our people are afraid to speak out because they don't want to be ostracized. But this what sowed a nation member who, like others, has benefited through employment with the energy giant, now feels compelled to speak about the positives of the lucrative project promising jobs and funding. The benefits of our people working out there, that they, they have gainful employment and if they can provide for their families and not depend on the system. <laughs> A few others in opposition to the pipeline clearly don't share, with 15 demonstrators now facing charges, as RCMP inch closer to the largest encampment, housing more people likely only to leave by force. Sarah McDonald, Global News. And the battle over the controversial pipeline project is also being waged here in the Lower Mainland. <laughs> What began as a, at a ra as a rally at Vancouver City Hall spilled out into the intersection of Broadway and Canby, halting traffic for some time. Those demonstrations coinciding with blockades of two Metro Vancouver ports. Grace Key has that part of the story. Trudeau! Stand down! Trudeau! Stand down! Protesters gathered at Vancouver City Hall in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en First Nation. They're speaking out against the coastal gas link pipeline project that goes through their traditional territory. Because if they go through and say there is no Wet'suwet'en and Unistodan rights, that means you have no rights. It's only the corporations that have rights in Canada. Is that okay with you? No! 
The rally was just one of the protests taking place over the weekend in Metro Vancouver. It's day four of a blockade at multiple entrances at the Port of Vancouver and at Delta Port. This barricade was also set up preventing trucks from entering. Every minute this port is shut down, we're costing companies money, we're hurting directly the Canadian economy, so we're, we're shutting down Canada and we're putting direct pressure on uh, the colonial government and the forces that are invading unceded territories up north. We do understand that there is a sense of urgency in this matter uh, and really we're there to help facilitate a peaceful resolution. A statement from the Port of Vancouver reads, this disruption is having a significant impact on port operations and we are taking the situation very seriously. We respect the rights of others to peacefully demonstrate and express opinions and hope to come to a resolution soon. Back at Vancouver City Hall, a protester by the pipeline construction site near Houston spoke to the crowd on the phone about their fight. And today it's day four of this fight. And we're not giving up. Protesters say you can expect more rallies like these and blockades at the ports in the coming days. Grace Key, Global News. And supporters of the activists have also targeted the B.C. legislature with an ongoing encampment on its steps. Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now. And Keith, could this impact a major event for the government in the coming days? Yes, that would be the major event you're talking about, of course, is Throne Speech Day on Tuesday. That's what's scheduled. Uh, the camp shows no signs of disappearing. So here's what Throne Speech Day usually looks like on the front lawn and the driveway. Marching bands, military marching bands, uh, those cannons blasting in the harbor. Uh, all sorts of pomp and ceremony. The sergeant arms knocking at the door. Uh, but this is likely not going to happen on Tuesday. It will unfold the same way because something else is on the front uh, steps. And that would be this protest camp that's actually bigger than that now. Uh, there's actually a campfire being lit there that's 24-7. I just came from there. There's about 50 people out there. There are now uh, tented tables that have supplies of food. Uh, it's growing in size, shows no signs of disappearing. That smoke is becoming an issue for people who work in the building. Talk to Daryl uh, Plekis, the speaker today, who tells me he's concerned this has now gone beyond a protest, that now health and safety uh, concerns are, are part of this whole thing. So we'll see what unfolds tomorrow, Colleen. But as it stands now, I don't think we're going to see much pomp and ceremony. We're just going to have that protest on throne speech day on Tuesday. Okay, and, and what will we likely hear in the throne speech? Uh, there will likely be a reference to uh, UNDRIP, the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, which was passed last session, but uh, as a document to be looking forward for other projects. But the theme, I think, is going to be affordability. That's what got the NDP elected. That's what they want to talk about in, in throne speeches. Uh, again, no, not much detail expected. That's usually the tradition. But one tradition will likely be missing, and that's the pomp and ceremony, because that protest camp shows no signs of disappearing. All right, Keith, thank you. A young man is facing assault charges after a three-hour standoff in Port Moody last night. We want you to be safe. We want you to come out and not get harmed. Shortly after officers deployed flashbang grenades, the 18-year-old suspect surrendered and was taken into custody. Police were called to a condo in the 300 block of Highland Way at around 6.30 for a report of a man who'd attacked his father. The suspect was armed with a knife and refused to come out. Police surrounded the home and the emergency response team was called in to make the arrest. Fortunately, no one was hurt. 
A fire in West Vancouver has left five people homeless for now. 30 firefighters responded to the call just after 9.30 last night. Flames were seen shooting out of the roof of this home on Kings Avenue in Dunderave. Firefighters say all five people inside got out safely. Officials say two upstairs tenants were sent to hospital for smoke inhalation. The cause of the fire is under investigation, but it's not believed to be suspicious. Avalanches claim lives in B.C. every year, but not yesterday. But it was a close call for a snowmobiler from Summerland when he found himself caught up in an avalanche. Sam Johnson was sledding with his dad and a friend in an area called the Powder 8 near Apex Mountain Resort. He followed the others into a valley and was suddenly swept up in a wall of moving snow. Johnson said he immediately pulled his airbag. Uh I would say it's probably the main reason I'm here. It it kept me on top enough that my shoulders were out, and uh, it it really I could feel I could feel like small branches and stuff going by me, and stuff in the snow when it was sliding. If I was if I hadn't floated on top, I probably would have been in a minimum of four feet of snow right next to my sled. I I'd never ride without one ever again after this. Johnson was partially buried while his snowmobile was completely covered. He was able to dig himself out and retrieve his sled. He believes he just caught a portion of the slide, which he estimates was 275 meters wide with a 500 meter runout. Three men are facing fines after being caught snowmobiling in BC's mountain Caribou Range. They were spotted from the air during a joint conservation BC Parks helicopter patrol enforcing caribou closures in the Nacusp area. Conservation officers followed the fresh machine tracks. The three were fined $575 each. The Conservation Officer Service is reminding outdoor enthusiasts that these closures are in place to support the recovery of caribou populations. Staff at a Vancouver restaurant are trying to solve the mystery of an abandoned cat. On Friday night, a Seasons in the Park employee found a cat carrier in the bushes at Queen Elizabeth Park. Inside was a feline in distress and nearby a bag of special food for medical conditions. Both the cat and carrier were soaking wet. A red Lucky Money envelope with a loony in it was also found inside. Staff at the restaurant fed the cat and turned it over to the Vancouver SBCA, where they say it is currently being treated. I started panicking, actually, like I almost cried when I brought it back, when I realized it was thrown away because the cage was flipped upside down and the cat was wandering around trying to look for, I don't know, trying to figure out what happened. We brought him to an emergency vet. They took him and then the next day we called and they put him in the SPCA. We called him Lucky because of the red envelope with the money in it. And they're going to keep him there for a week. And then another co-worker that we work with, Mia, is going to adopt him. WestJet has issued a clarification on its animal import policy after local rescuers raised concerns on Friday. Confusion, confusion rather, surrounding commercial and personal imports led rescue operators to believe their animals would have to ride cargo. But WestJet has since issued a statement saying that is not the case. The company says its objective was to raise awareness about the differences in import requirements. WestJet says there has been no change to its policy or fees and it does not require animals traveling as commercial imports to go as cargo. The company has since apologized for the confusion. The novel coronavirus outbreak has ignited fears all over the world. Many people who have returned from China are isolating themselves to prevent any possible spread of the disease. And volunteers across Canada are stepping in to help. 
Paul Johnson has the details. The government's plans for bringing Canadians home from China and quarantining them are well known and underway. Flying people to CFB Trenton and then into quarantine on the base. Foreign Affairs Minister Francois-Philippe Champagne briefed reporters Sunday on the ongoing status of that operation. The plane which is going to repatriate, the second Canadian plane that just left Trenton uh, on its way, uh, obviously, to Asia. As we said, we would bring back Canadians. But in a handful of cities now, citizens are organizing their own system of precaution and quarantine like this group of volunteers now operating in Calgary. We want to reach out more people and help them as they need. They're people like 56-year-old Xiaobo Ya, who, like a lot of Chinese Canadians, had traveled back to China to spend Lunar New Year with family. He has no symptoms, but out of caution, has decided to self-quarantine himself in his Calgary home. Since the um, situation is getting worse in general, I don't want to bring virus Organizing independently and mostly online, the movement has branched out to Vancouver. While the work of containing epidemics is typically led by governments, across Canada right now it appears hundreds of people are not waiting for guidance from officials to help contain coronavirus. Paul Johnson, Global News. The Cinderella Project of the Lower Mainland is celebrating its 21st year of making dreams come true for deserving teens. The Cinderella Project's annual Boutique Day invites underprivileged grade 12 students for a unique shopping and pampering experience ahead of graduation. Volunteers spent Saturday sorting and sizing clothes for the event, where 225 teens are given the chance to choose gowns, tuxedos, shoes and accessories from, for the ceremonies. All of them have worked hard to walk across the stage to accept their diplomas, and it's the goal of volunteers to ensure they do it in style. We know firsthand that planting a very small seed germinates into things that we can't even anticipate or imagine. So we see the sprouting of this even in one day alone. And then in staying in contact with these youth, it fills us up to hear how much it impacts them. I went to high school and I didn't have to worry about any of this stuff with graduation. And so it's awesome that we can like give back in our own way and help some other kids that are going to graduation and within our, within our own community, yeah. Nice work. Canada's Foreign Affairs Minister is calling on Iran to release the black boxes from the Ukrainian plane that was shot down last month by Iran's Revolutionary Guard. Champagne says that the flight data recorders need to be analyzed outside of Iran, noting it's been more than a month since 176 people died in the downing of Flight 752, including 57 Canadians. Champagne made the comments in Ethiopia's capital where he's traveling with the Prime Minister. There comes a time where you need to come to terms and say, you know what, um, I think they've understood from the different uh, civil aviation authority in the world that the type of equipment and expertise you need to read the black box cannot be brought to Iran. So the solution in front of all of us, uh, whether it's the world community or the international response and coordination group, is to send these black boxes without delay to Paris, which has all the equipment. 
He also says Iran's government has appointed someone to begin negotiations to pay state compensation to the families of the victims. China's death toll from the new coronavirus has topped 908, with more than 40,000 infected worldwide. The Chinese government is taking extreme measures in an attempt to prevent the virus from spreading any further and, in the process, drawing harsh criticism for how it's handled this epidemic. The numbers continue to edge higher here, the death toll now surpassing that from SARS, though it's difficult to compare the two because there are simply far more cases of this coronavirus. The worry is what could happen over the next few days. With the end of this imposed holiday across China, millions of people will be returning to work in big cities like Beijing. Some companies are urging employees to work from home if they can to avoid exposure on public transit in large crowds or in confined office spaces. And there are also disturbing reports of harsher measures being used in some parts of China. Videos on social media showing people being dragged from apartments. In some cases, people with mild symptoms being sent to temporary hospitals in Wuhan. And in one place in Hubei province, there are rewards to report somebody who has a fever. There is also mounting anger here that the government simply isn't doing enough to contain the outbreak. This is still a very intense disease outbreak in Wuhan and uh, Hubei. And there are still great risks in practically all of the other provinces. But the World Health Organization says it's still far too early to know the scope or the outcome. Janice Mackey Frere, NBC News, Beijing. A powerful storm is causing havoc across parts of the UK and northern Europe. In northern England, hurricane-force winds and heavy rain from storm Kira have caused flooding, halted flights and train service, and closed ports, soccer games, farmers' markets, and other outdoor events were all cancelled as millions of people were told to stay indoors. A flight tracking website said the winds were so strong, a British Airways flight made the 3,500-mile journey from New York to London in record time, arriving an hour and 42 minutes early. Just imagine being a passenger on this plane as it tried to land in those punishing winds. The storm forced a flight from Warsaw to London to divert north to Birmingham, where it touched down, swerving side to side and bouncing on the landing. storm is called Sabine. Dozens of flights and trains were delayed or cancelled today because of those high winds. More than 100 flights scheduled for tomorrow have also been cancelled. Germany has issued its second highest storm warning level for most of the country. A Boeing 737 airliner with 96 people on board made a hard landing in northwestern Russia today. Nobody was injured when the U-Terror aircraft en route from Moscow landed, on the air, landed in the airport of Yusinsk. Russia's Civil Aviation Authority said the hard landing was due to a problem with the chassis. Pictures posted to two government websites show the airliner lying flat on its belly on a runway covered partially with snow. Communities in Western Australia are assessing the damage after a tropical cyclone wreaked havoc tearing through homes on Saturday. And in Eastern Australia, life-threatening floods from days of heavy rainfall are endangering residents in New South Wales and Queensland. But the rain is a reprieve from months of deadly wildfires that have killed more than 
30 people. The conditions in eastern Australia are so extreme that what have been described as reverse waterfalls were seen in Sydney today. Strong winds whipping water up and over the cliffs. First responders have been called to more than 2,200 calls for assistance since the rain started to fall on Wednesday. There is turmoil in Ireland. An exit poll suggests a dead heat after yesterday's parliamentary elections. Ballot counting is still underway, but the poll indicates the Prime Minister's centrist Fine Gael party is neck and neck with the opposition, Fianna Fall, and a third party, Sinn Féin. All three parties have received about 22% of the first preference votes. Analysts forecast some sort of coalition is inevitable. Thai commandos shot dead a rogue soldier who killed 29 people in Thailand's worst-ever mass shooting. Police say the 32-year-old gunman was killed this morning, a few hours after they raided a busy shopping mall where he was holed up. And the attack started yesterday afternoon at a military base before the shooter moved on to a shopping center. He posted messages to social media as he went. At one point, the Thai military brought in the mother of the gunman to try to negotiate with him. Investigators believe the soldier was angry over a financial dispute. Actor Robert Conrad has died. A family spokesperson says he died of heart failure on Saturday in Malibu, California. Conrad was best known for his 1960s television series Hawaiian Eye and the Wild Wild West. In the 1970s, he was nominated for a Golden Globe for his work on the TV series Baba Black Sheep and won a People's Choice Award for that role. A private service is planned for March 1st. He is survived by eight children and 18 grandchildren. Conrad was 84. An amazing show of support this weekend for BC's special kids at the 54th annual Variety Show of Hearts Telethon. The final tally, just a little more than last year's total. All the money raised from this weekend's telethon stays in BC to help kids right here. And our Sophie Louie and Chris Galis have more on the remarkable weekend for variety. Oh, Colleen, what an amazing day it has been here. We got up to five and a half million dollars thanks to generous British Columbia donors, and we are so thankful for all the people who supported Variety throughout the day today, and for all of the families who came and shared their stories with us today. And we have Kenton uh, Boston and Callie Weston here. Callie, the CEO of Variety. Um, I mean, you've seen this year after year, but I'm sure, just like me, every year, it, I'm never, um, I never cease to be amazed by the generosity of British Columbia. Yeah, it's overwhelming to see BC come together, come together year after year to support kids with special needs, and the need has never been greater. So this year was so important that we beat last year's total, which we did, and uh, we need the money to keep coming in. So thank you, everyone, and thanks so much. It is transformational. You are making the difference in lives of kids and families. Well, Kelly, you made the point, too, that the need has doubled in the last year, so the money is very necessary. Kent, you do a lot of work on the board. Absolutely. Uh, you can't thank people enough. Uh, we're only as strong as our future, as strong as our kids. They are our future, and that's really important for all of us to remember that. I want to thank everybody here for your hard work and across the province of BC. You do this every year. We rely on you. You're simply the best and thank you on behalf of the kids in this province. And a huge thank you to the hundreds of volunteers and crew around us right now that you can't see on TV but have yes. helped us pull this off. Thank you very much. Thank you British Columbia.
congratulations. And look at this, a moonlight cross-country ski race in the Alps. We'll have more on that right after Yvonne's forecast. Um, but we have some moonlight of our own last night. Take a look. The sky was clear, allowing global viewer Carly Holman of Chilliwack to take this gorgeous shot. That is Mount Chiam in the background. This decade's first supermoon is called the Super Snow Moon. It reached peak fullness at around 2.30 this morning. And Yvonne, you've got some more? Pictures of moons? Yeah, it was perfect out there. Clear conditions, a nice break. If you were up late enough, you captured it, but we got a couple of photos to kick things off. This taken from Bridget in Greenwood, so thank you so much for that shot. And in Golden Years, captured by Kelly. So fantastic. The conditions were there. Uh, please continue to send in the photos. I also wanted to show this photo from the Fraser River Rhine, uh, showing us one of the sunsets. It was fantastic, a nice break. It was very pleasant over the weekend. Temperatures today bumped up to closer to five or six degrees. We temperatures right now out of the airport rather at four. We've got a light southerly wind at six kilometers per hour. Here's what we're anticipating overnight tonight. Mainly clear skies. It'll cool off once again. Temperatures will be at the freezing mark. Bundle up for the early morning hours and then it's mainly sunny through the day by the afternoon tomorrow. Temperatures getting up to six degrees. We've got a ridge that is still in place across the southern half of the province. Towards the north the system is pushing in. We are looking at wet weather inland a few spots even snow and then changing over to rain tomorrow. And then a bit of a blip in the forecast. The system towards the north is going to push in across the south coast. It'll be on Tuesday where we do have some cloud cover, even the chance of showers popping up through the day. A break will be on Wednesday through the day. And then the big change across the province as the, the ridge starts to weaken will be Thursday, Friday onwards. Even the potential the return for some snowfall will be across the southern interior and falling as rain across the south coast. For the piece tomorrow, partly cloudy. The winds are going to pick up. Gusts of up to 60 kilometers per hour. A chance for some snow for both Tuesday and similar on Wednesday. White Horse's snowfall warning 10 and up to 15 centimeters with very windy conditions. Locally, the potential is there to see blowing snow with gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour. Break on Tuesday and snow once again on Wednesday. The northern half of the province along the coast, it'll stay as rain. It's inland seeing snow changing to rain through the day tomorrow. A break on Tuesday and then mixed precipitation on Wednesday. Caribou and Central Interior, bit of a mixed bag, seeing some flurries for the early morning hours changing over to showers and the winds ramping up with gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour. Columbia and Kootenai a few isolated flurries not much in terms of accumulation. It'll clear out through the day a nice break and then the potential to see some flurries and a chance of showers on Tuesday or wet snowfall for most areas. The Thompson Okanagan breaks through the afternoon by the evening a few flurries popping up and most areas near Whistler. It'll be very pleasant for the day a partly cloudy sky a chance of flurries late evening and leading in towards the early morning hours on Tuesday and most spots across the island. The northern and central half could see some cloud cover for the morning, a bit of drizzle, and then it will clear out with some breaks for the afternoon. Southern and eastern areas for Victoria up to 7 degrees. Five-day forecast overnight, chilly down to the freezing mark. will bump up to 6. Very pleasant. Get out and enjoy. That looks to be the nicest out of the bunch so far. <laughs> Tuesday, we do have a chance of showers. Wednesday, it'll be dry through the day, and then it's towards the evening. We do have a number of systems pushing in. So far, it's falling as rain for tomorrow with some sunshine in the mix and a high of 6. Colleen? Well, it is. 
is February after all. All right, thanks for that, Yvonne. It is said that everything is better by the light of the moon. So check out the start of the Alto Adige Moonlight Classic. Hundreds of skiers taking part in a cross-country race under the moonlight in Italy on Friday night. Competitors competing in the 15 and 30 kilometer race in the Swiss Alps. The annual event, which includes Swiss food and dance, is lit by the moon and of course by the skiers' headlamps. And in case you were wondering, the winners were Italy's Giando Menico, Salvatore, and Poland's Justina Kowalczyk. Did I get it? Either of those right? Sounds good to me, Barry. I'll say Help me uh, yes. I'll give you eight and a half out of ten. <laughs> Thank you. You know my world. Oh, I know. I'm tennis glad players. I'm, glad I'm not in it. <laughs> tennis players, yeah, skiers, tough names. Tough names. But, yeah. uh, good day today, though. Uh, you know, kind of a game changer for Nick Taylor of Abbotsford, who uh, won his second PGA Tour tournament, but this this is uh, prestigious. This is Pebble Beach, uh, some of the names that have won this tournament, you know, the greatest in golf. And uh, Nick went up against Phil Mickelson head-to-head, -head and he beat him and uh, wins the tournament. 1.4 million U.S. dollars to go along with it. So we'll have extended highlights of that. We'll hear from Nick and Vashik Pospisil of Vancouver and Vernon also had a chance to win on the ATP Tennis Tour in a final. So nice. big day for the BC boys. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Looking forward. Such an exciting day for a couple of BC athletes. Yeah, it was right. great. It's so fun to watch these guys. And we've, I've, I've interviewed uh, Nick and Vashik many times, especially when they're coming up, you know, kind of living the dream. And oh, here they yeah. are living the dream. So That's does great. it get any better than that? Academy Awards, take a seat. This is, this is <laughs> real drama right here. All right, thanks, Colleen. This is a day and week. Nick Taylor will never forget the Abbotsford golfer just went wire to wire to win the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, one of the most prestigious tournaments on the PGA Tour. It's Taylor's second PGA Tour win. His first was the Sanderson Farm event in 2014, but that was an alternate field event. All the top players that week were at, were at a WGC tournament. This time, Taylor stared down the best in the game, including his Sunday playing partner, Phil Mickelson, who's won Pebble Beach five times, including last year. Now, Taylor began the day with a slim one-shot lead on Mickelson, fourth hole, even for the day until he sinks the birdie, and that seemed to jumpstart his round, showing no signs of nerves. Mickelson, trying to keep the pressure on, hits this incredible tee shot on the par three-fifth. Right on line to a couple of feet, so an easy birdie for Phil. But before Phil could knock that in, Taylor and his birdie attempt, and he knocks in the 12-footer, stopping a Mickelson from getting any momentum or gaining any ground. And then at the par 5-6, third shot from the bunker, looking to get this close. I'd say this is getting it close. That's in for an eagle out of the bunker. Gets to 21 under. has got to be feeling it right now. A two-shot lead on Mickelson. Seventh hole. Taylor trying to keep the momentum going. A 15-footer to save par. And sometimes par saves are just as good as birdies. That is clutch. Sending a message to Mickelson that he was not going to wilt under the pressure. Meanwhile, at the eighth, Phil's third shot on the par four. We don't see this too often. Mickelson airmails it. Would end up making a double bogey. Taylor did make a bogey, but still increased his lead to three. Now we go to the ninth hole. Taylor with a fantastic approach. You see that amazing scenery to his right. Nothing prettier than Pebble Beach, especially when you're about to win the tournament. Got a nice bounce. Kick that towards the flag to about seven feet. And that'll make that stroll along the ocean a lot more enjoyable. Then Taylor 
will uh, knock that in for birdie. Got to 21 under, but then the conditions really kick up. The wind howling up to 50 k's an hour actually blows Taylor's hat off as he waits to hit into the 14th. And this is to save bogey. Doesn't go, so it's a double. All of a sudden, the wheel's starting to loosen a bit on the wagon. Five-shot lead down to two, but the very next hole, Taylor showing his grit, chipping his third shot on the par four, and it goes down for birdie. The lead back up to three, some much-needed breathing room. And then at the 17th, par three. Just in case he didn't feel three was enough, playing into that tough wind. But Taylor hits a fantastic shot, the best of the day to six feet. And he will pretty much seal the deal here. Cooley strokes in the birdie putt, back to a four-shot lead with just one hole to play. Nick's wife, Andy, and their young son, Charlie, greenside at the 18th, waiting to celebrate. And Taylor will finish with a solid par putt to end. And he is the AT&T Pebble Beach champion, led from the opening day. First wire-to-wire -wire champ since Phil Mickelson in 2005. Not only does he win 1.4 million U.S., but he gets an invitation to play in his first Masters, moves up to 13th in the FedEx standings. Amazing stuff for the young man who grew up playing at Ledgeview in Abbotsford. Yeah, it was really, really difficult. The wind picked up uh, kind of the end of that front nine and um, was hanging on there and a few poor drives that I didn't think were too bad. I ended up in bad spots and just trying to trying to manage my way from there. And, and you know, 14 such a difficult hole. Once I made double there, you know, I really had to sell myself down and know that I still had a two shot lead. And, and then obviously chip in the very next hole and get one shot back was massive. It's disappointing, certainly, to have not won, but I got outplayed. I mean, Nick played better than I did. He held a couple of great shots at Eagle on six, the putts he made on uh, four, five, and seven, and he just really played some great golf. It definitely wasn't the crowd favorite. I was expecting that, but um, yeah, it was, you know, it was great to play with Phil. He was awesome all day. Um, our amateur partners, it was really fun. I felt like it was pretty relaxed. Uh, I was probably more nervous before the round than actually when I was playing, so. Um, yeah, when I made a few putts early, I think it settled me down, and it was nice to get off to a great start. I guess I can do it, you know. It's, it's uh, you never know when that long of a break happens. You know, I had to bow for my card the last few years. Um, I think some of those rounds to keep my card helped me today for sure. That was huge days, and um, again, this gives me great confidence going forward. Great stuff. Congrats to Nick Taylor. Now another BC boy had a chance to win a pro tournament Sunday. Vancouver and Vernon's Vashik Pospisil was going for his first ATP Tour win in France against local hero Gail Monfils. Pospisil lost his only other ATP final back in 2014 to Milos Raonic in an all-Canadian affair in Washington, D.C. But Vashik has played so well since undergoing back surgery a year ago. He's playing his best tennis since he was ranked 26th in the world back in 2014. Now, Vashik 0-5 lifetime versus Montfis, but off to a good start in the opening set. Nice put-away volley at net, and they're tied at 4-all on serve. Now, not many break opportunities in this one, but Vashik facing one, a set point at 5-6, and credit Montfis as he crushes the running forehand pass down the line, and he takes the opening set seven games to five. Second set, Vashik with the uh, penetrating ground strokes, rushes the net, and another nice finish. All that doubles play. So good at the net. Still on serve in the second. But again, Monfuse takes advantage 
of the few opportunities to break. He will hit the two-fisted backhand pass to get the break to go up 5-3 right there, and he would serve it out from there. So Gail Malfis wins his third Open Sud de France. Pospisil, a valiant effort. Hopefully that breakthrough win is not far off. Welcome back. The Canucks are going through a bit of a rough patch after that incredible 14-3 run vaulted them into first place in the Pacific. The good news, they are still first despite a four-game losing streak, but now the injuries are coming, including winger Brock Besser, who will miss at least the next two games, according to head coach Travis Green. Besser was injured on this innocent-looking play during last night's 6-2 loss to the Flames. Besser suffered an upper body injury. Anyone's guess what went wrong, but he will miss at least two games, and then the Canucks will reevaluate if, uh, if he's ready to return. Besser is in a dry spell, just two assists and no goals in his last 11 games. NHL tonight, Winnipeg Jets hosting Chicago. Jets in a playoff spot as of now, playing much better after a bit of a rough patch a few weeks ago. Nine teams fighting for five spots separated by just seven points. Jets were down 2-0 until Andrew Kopp sets up Kyle Connor shorthanded to make it 2-1. And then in the third on the power play, off the rush, but a shot by Blake Wheeler to beat Corey Crawford, ties it at two. And then a few minutes later, Andrew Kopp in alone on Crawford upstairs. That was the winner. Jets had a couple of empty net netters, and Winnipeg wins 5-2 the final. Just two points behind the Canucks now. Avalanche and Wild, Minnesota on a three-game win streak. Back in the mix, three points out of the wild card. Three teams in front of them as well. Second period tied at one. Nathan McKinnon will squeeze one through Devin Dubnik. That made it 2-1 Colorado. And then later, Avs are back for more. Gabriel Landeskog will chop another one home. That made it 3-1. The Wild have closed it to 3-2 early in the third. And just in from the LEC, Vancouver Giants with another win beat Kamloops 7-3. Third straight time they beat the Blazers in just over a week. Vancouver 6-0-1 in their last seven, playing their best hockey of the season. Highlights of that one tonight at 11. The Vancouver Whitecaps have acquired Renko Veselinkovic on a one-year loan with the option to purchase the center back. The 20-year-old was playing for a Serbian club. He'll add some depth at that position. The Caps gave up allocation money in the transaction. Women's soccer, Canada and the USA in the CONCACAF Olympic qualifying tournament from Houston. Both teams have qualified for Tokyo. This game pretty much for bragging rights. No goals until the second half. Jade Riviere gives it away for Canada. Lynn Williams says thank you and thumps it home to give the Americans a 1-0 lead. Ten minutes later, nice service into the box here and it's headed down to the foot of Lindsey Horan. Takes one touch and then delivers with the left foot. That is a great goal. 2-0 for the USA and then late the Americans get one more captain Megan Rapino takes the nice feed and finishes with precision. 3-0, the U.S. beats Canada. Both teams going to Tokyo. Canada has won bronze in their last two Olympics. The Americans did not medal in 2016 after being upset in the quarters. Women's basketball now from Belgium. Canada uh, got their Olympic berth yesterday, looking to close out the qualifying tournament with a win against Japan, which, of course, is in as the host. Former SFU star Nao Rinkok Akinwe with the nice up-and-under move there. She had eight points in the first half. Kia Nurse, of course, Canada's top player. She hits the three here. Canada led just 31-30 at the half. And then in the second half, Mia Maria Langwa off the turnover, drives the basket here and will score as Canada goes on for the 70-68 win over Japan. They go 3-0 in the tournament, and that actually is going to help their seeding at the Olympics. So maybe that'll make their path to the medals a little easier. We'll see, but that's just coming up in a few months. Wow, it's, yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much.
here's a look at your snow report for tonight. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 254. 295 for Grouse, Cypress 305, and Sasquatch 223. Manning Park with four new centimeters, seven for Fernie, and Kicking Horse 2. Big White with one new centimeter, Silver Star with a base of 233. Sun Peaks, two new centimeters, and a base of 220. Mount Washington, a base of 171, one new centimeter for Whitewater and Red Mountain. Powder King, a base of 345. Okay, I, I think most of us would like to believe that if we found a lot of money that we that didn't belong to us, obviously, we would turn it in. Well, that is exactly the situation a 17-year-old Ontario girl found herself in, and she's being praised for doing the right thing. There to pick me up, and when I was just standing there, I saw in a distance that right about here was like um, a mesh bag. For Kylie McDonald, it was an unbelievable experience finding an envelope full of cash. I felt like I was in a movie. It was so crazy to see that much money in one spot at one time. The 17-year-old was walking from this nail salon in Milton near Derry Road and Trudeau Drive when she noticed the bag on the ground. I was thinking, oh my goodness, whoever lost this is probably freaking out right now if they've noticed. The teen says she then immediately tried to figure out where it belonged. It did have a name and a location, which I looked it up and ended up being the dentistry just right above this building. And the first thing I did was I went inside to see if I could talk to someone, but it was closed. The envelope contained cash and checks worth thousands of dollars. Halton Regional Police say they are surprised, but pleased it was turned in. Yeah, I'm not too sure what other people would have done, but uh, she definitely did the right thing. McDonald went into the local police station with what she says was an envelope with nearly $30,000 worth sure of deposits. And they looked at me like I was not expecting this, like did not think someone your age would come in and bring this into us tonight. And she was like, oh my goodness, like I don't even know what to say to you because I don't even know how to react. Police say it appeared to be a deposit that was accidentally dropped by an employee of the Milton business. The amount of money was so large that people online are baffled by Kylie's decision. Yes. I was reading all of them and they were like, who would have done that? Like, you're not the smartest to be doing that. And I was just laughing at them being like, I, I bet you that if you actually were in the situation, you probably would too. Her action, however, was not at all a surprise to her mom, who is proud she made the right choice. You know, there's so much, you know, negativity out there, so much bad things happening in the world. And you know what? There's really good people out there. And number one being my daughter. A proud moment and an example of paying it forward they hope others will follow. Absolutely. Fraser Snowden, Global News. Good for her. Her karmic mm. bank account is, is Yeah, like I was going to say. Huge. Karma's going to be great yeah. to her. No <laughs> kidding. And karma's going to be great to a lot of you as well who donated to Variety and you still have a chance. A reminder that you still have time to give. The phone lines are open at least for the next few minutes. Now that number is 310KIDS or you can donate online anytime at variety.bc.ca. Thank you, BC, for your generosity in helping out BC's kids. And thank you for joining us tonight. One quick look at weather before we go. Going to be cold, but dry overnight uh, for tomorrow morning. Some sunshine, and then it'll be Tuesday, Wednesday onwards. A little bit unsettled with some on and off rainfall. Get out and enjoy tomorrow. It's yes, pleasant. That's the last day of sunshine for a while. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Jordan will be here at 11. Take care.